Hi cheesy people, before we get started I'd like to thank our two sponsors. Scrumptious Reads provides us with a place to record, but it's also the best place to drop large amounts of the folding stuff on interesting cookbooks, books talking about food, drinking coffee, drinking wine, drinking spirits, or just eating generally. They also have lots of interesting courses all the time, so check out their website for more details. Fatgrape.com.au is an online wine store selling interesting wines you will not find at your local chain bottle shop. We talk about a different wine every week, but don't trust my judgment. Hit Stacy up at fatgrape.com.au and ask for the best wine for you. Finally, you can support the show by going to bezopods.thetshirtmill.com.au and buy a cheesy shirt. Enjoy the pod. We, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what? You bugging ass devil, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in you. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheesemaker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> And we're recording. Great. Hello, Annabelle. How are you Hello. going? Hello. I'm well, Bezo. What's your real name, Bezo? John. Ah. No, no one ever calls me that. John. And I've never known that. I've been listening and I did not know that. It, to the point where there's probably only about five people that call me John. And if you call me John in the street, I won't respond. I literally <laughs> will not respond. I'll keep walking. Um, one of my best friends saw me walking past one day. I went, John, John, Bezo. And I turned around instantly. <laughs> so it's, it, it's your surname, right? Yeah, Beasley. Yeah. It's, it's just one, it's one of those one. names you wear for so long that you forget that you called something else. You need to be like Bezo the beekeeper. You yes. know, some, like a book, like a good children's book. You know, bees over yeah, bees. That'll make a good. I, I, <laughs> I did have cows for a while, and will will very soon again have cows. Ah, so that'll be good. That's my um, bees over the, the cheesemaker. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. So, what have we got here? These all so, look very delicious. I have been baking. Mm-hmm. There is a lack of alcohol because of that, but. Don't let me stop you. Um, <laughs> I've made a carrot cake with just the old cream cheese topping. Probably my all-time favourite oh, cake. Me too. It, occasionally, um, you can get. Occasionally, you'll get a chocolate cake. Like chocolate cake is so wide in variation. Mm. So it's not like I can't really say chocolate cake is my favourite cake. But I've had a bit like coffees. I've yeah. had coffees where it's just sublime just yep. a, like an out of body experience but not every coffee's like that no and that's how I find chocolate cake you know yeah chocolate, chocolate okay, cake can be like mud cake yeah. or it can be but banana I've, star one or but possibly because I only really eat homemade carrot cake mm. I don't usually have I don't I haven't had that many experiences like a dry carrot cake or it's never dry I mean no. if you if you make a dry carrot cake something's wrong I'm sure commercially they could make a dry carrot cake yeah maybe certain Shops that rhyme with schmeeze cake 
could make dry ones. Actually, no, I reckon those would be pretty moist. They'd have a down pack. Yeah. Well, it's got a lot of lot of carrot in it. So. Yeah. Um, so what's, what goes into your cheesecake? When, I mean, not your cheesecake. Now I'm putting the, the brand of shop in. <laughs> what goes into your carrot cake? I am the worst baker in the world. I don't have any consistent Aww. recipes. Um, but I heard you go through all those bags of flour. See, I have oh, been yeah. a dedicated listener. Yeah, yeah, no. I go through <laughs> I go through my flour. And I do bake. I, like, I made Anzac cookies on the weekend. Yeah. Um, Anzac biscuits. But uh, I just I don't – I'm terrible at measuring for a start. Yeah. So – you know, I, I did actually measure those Anzac biscuits. I, I bought the little cup things and did it properly. It's not too bad, not too hard. Um, the cups. And I actually think I've been making a bit of soap lately. And oh. soap is you can't fuck around with. Yeah. You know, it's got to be bang on. Yeah. Otherwise, it just won't work. So that's been installing a little bit of mm. measuring discipline into my into my uh, cooking, I guess. <laughs> um, but then if you make bread. Doesn't that have to be pretty measured out as well? Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah, right. But you've got a feel for it now. I do it by feel. Yeah. Um, at least normal bread. Sourdough, I try and stay to um, like the feel a little bit more. But the, the chat I had with Warwick, I don't know if you've listened to that one. The um, sourdough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he does his a lot more by feel. Yeah. But, but he sort of knows... You know, and he's working in much bigger amounts. So if I might be out 10 grams, that would make a massive difference over a two-kilo thing. If he's out 50 grams, he's making a 20 or 30-kilo batch. So it's not as obvious. No, uh, it's not as much, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, d- I just don't measure that much. Like pizza dough and stuff like that, pasta. Yep. Never measure pasta. I just find it hilarious. Really? No. I do. But pa- I'm new to pasta making. It's a fun game. Pa- it's a messy game. Pasta is <laughs> pasta is absolutely a feel because if and if if you think about it, especially if you're like me and you're getting your eggs from home, like two eggs isn't two eggs isn't two eggs. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I, I could use my little chicken eggs or my silky eggs or duck eggs. Yeah. Um and then you you gotta go to the uh feel. Yeah, no, it's it's almost like um, the smoothness. You want it. You ah. want it. It's actually a hydration. You want it. You want a certain amount of uh, moisture in the in the dough. Yeah. So that when you roll it and roll it and roll it, it gets that real silky, elastic sort of. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can sort of tell um, pretty much straight away. Like I just sort of add the flour in until it's too wet. Yep. I add that amount of flour in and then I just add, keep adding a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until I know it's at the right sort of tackiness ah. where it won't stick to the rollers but it'll start to fold and roll. But then how long did it take for you to get confident at something like that? Like I'm probably, probably made pasta only like four times ah, recently. Okay. So how long does it take for you to, I, did it take for you to just get it? I must have got it fairly quickly because... Just talented. Italian blood in you uh, far back or something. Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> like, it's like hollandaise sauce. Like, I'd always um, read that hollandaise sauce is, like, you know, one of the hardest things to make. Mm. And it always splits. I've split one hollandaise ever, and that was the first one I made. And that's because I tried it, the, the, the proper chefy double boiler. Yep. And then the second time I made it, um, a chef mate of mine told me a cheat's way, which is basically you add your... You know, you do your egg and your acid and yep. your mustard 
um, and and have all that ready, and then you bore, basically bore your butter until it's really hot, and then just add that a little bit at a time. Ah, oh, and, and whisk it in. And whisk it in. Ah. And the, the emulsification sort of like not as volatile. Do the eggs have to be room temp? I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I've never put eggs in the fridge, so I wouldn't know. Ah, you're lucky. You've got the whole bloody farm. I don't, I don't have to buy it from the when, shops. Even when I buy eggs, yeah. you don't put eggs in the fridge. That's crazy really? talk. No. But we're in Queensland. I'm always no. afraid. But you probably use them quicker yeah, than they, yeah. They don't last long enough at my place. <laughs> so you've got, okay, you've got the carrot cake. I'll let you try that. I'll talk I, I while can, you try. I can actually feel the, just how it's wobbling around, <laughs> how moist that is. That Hopefully it's moist taste. enough. I sort of feel like there's something missing, whether it's a spice or something. Just eating it before, I was going... I don't know what it is. Maybe you'll be able to help me. might be a bit of ground ginger because I have crystallized oh, yeah. ginger in it. Oh, that sounds nice. But the other one, too, that you get to try is um, Afghans. Have mm. you had Afghans before? I don't think so. I don't know why they're called that. I don't know if it's a really racist term from the 50s, but mm. um, <laughs> they're that, a good biscuit. That is really, really good. You like good. that one? Okay. Mm. That is modified from this old vegetable cookbook, a Women's Weekly vegetable cookbook. Mm -hmm. So it's like alphabetized, you know, carrots, cabbage, blah, blah, blah. You know, they go through the whole gamut. So, so what do you use as your, um, uh, do you use butter or oil? Oil, mm. grape seed, because it doesn't have a flavor. flavor. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was out, I was making this yesterday and I wanted to impress because I knew that you'd talk about it as soon as you eat it. I yeah, can't really yeah. hide. So I thought, I thought I was nearly out of oil, and I thought I can't use olive oil in this. It'll taste like so. The last crazy. the last carrot cake I made, I used oil. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was that convinced me. It was probably Sal. Um, actually, I think I might have sort uh, you know just solicited Twitter for a carrot yeah. cake recipe, and I don't know why, but I had this mental block of putting oil in a cake. I was I just sort of you felt, couldn't picture it no i felt like a cake like baking had to have butter yeah yeah i'm usually an advocate i'm a huge yeah, advocate yeah. for butter i've um, got like three kilos in my fridge right freezer yeah. right now <laughs> actually the best butter i don't know if you already know this i've only just discovered it and it's reasonably priced too is aldi of all places no. they stock an aussie butter and i'm not sponsored by aldi <laughs> although if aldi wants to come on as a sponsor it'll be it'll well, be good for me <laughs> We'll take any sponsors we yeah, can get yeah. here. But it's called like beautifully butterfly butter or something weird like that. Okay. It's a silver packaging, blue writing, and they sell it in 500 gram slab bricks. It's like a brick. And I only bought it because cause I'm recipe testing this cook, my cookbook. I was going through heaps of butter because yep. it's Nana's recipes, so there's butter abound. And, um, well, at least that's better than some of the... Margarines. Uh, and, yeah, I've yeah, got a few yeah. old. I'm a bit like you. I collect those you know, the woman, Woman's Weekly yeah. cookbooks and the CWA cookbooks. They're so good. And so much, you can almost tell, oh, is it the sort of late 60s? Yep. And then everything is margarine. And half fat and half t flavor. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like ridiculous. Margarine. I haven't eaten margarine for over a decade. I wonder if they'll look back at our generation and be like, oh, that's that era when people thought flour was evil. Like, <laughs> we'll yeah. be that equivalent probably. It's like the butter of margarine equivalent. So I work in the butcher industry and our industry is basically being slowly deglutinized because all your sausage meals originally were rusk originally yeah. and, and then wheat flour and now it's just more and more gluten-free gluten ah. um, to the point where... What is know. it? Gl Gluten-free flour? Yes, yeah, so it? it's all oh. corn flour, rice flour. Oh. Um, 
and it's interesting like i've worked in the industry for about 12 years yeah. and it just started when i came in they were just starting to do gluten-free meals and they're terrible oh. really really bad they wouldn't bind um they were gritty that just well, i can't ha- imagine rice flour because rice flour gives like the grit to shortbread yeah so that in a sausage um, lots of maize. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, 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 very fine rice flour. Right. Like, almost like a powder. Right. Um, but now you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. The, the technology in the blending is, is that good. Is it good or bad, do you think, that they've done that? Um, originally I thought it was bad, but now you're getting pretty much the same results that they were. So Right. You know, much of a muchness. Yeah. yeah. Flour's flour. What do you think of that whole, like demonizing of flour and the way things are moving because like I talked to Julian at Scrumptious and about you know what sells because I'm because I'm running a cookbook and so I she points out when people come in she said for the most part people are going for the healthy books and mine is healthy but it's not like it's not gluten-free or um, dairy-free or anything like that um, I think it's crazy in that people are conscious about certain things yeah so um you know gluten-free is a really sort of easy thing to do yeah i don't actually if like if you're like you or i and you don't have a gluten intolerance then what's it doing for you yeah like not much um and then the other thing is there's still a mcdonald's on every corner yeah Um, yeah so someone who's going, I'm going to eat gluten-free today, must yeah. be having a hungover meal at Macca's the next day. Or well, <laughs> and we always laugh at the butcher shops because there'll be a whole um, a whole half a cabinet full of sausages, gluten-free yeah. sausages, and right next to them will be the crumb chicken. <laughs> and if, you're, if you are genuinely um, celiac, gl- celiac yeah. gluten intolerant, like the slightest bit of that crumb will set you off. Yeah. Um, and it's not really catering to the celiac market. It's no. it's, it's it's a marketing thing more That's than anything. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's kind of become like the word natural on everything. Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit different because we do that as well. Ah. Um, and <laughs> making a product natural, like no artificial flavouring or, or colouring. Yep. Is actually quite hard. Really? Yeah. In meat, what's what's uh, like so like glazes, like things you ah, know, like flavourings that go on it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even you, we've got a Peking glaze, which is like your classic five spice and cinnamon and 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 those sort of flavours. Yeah. But I, a lot of the things they were using to bind them or to give them shelf life in the bag and things like that, all wow. of all of that stuff, all their little tricks of trade. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like going to a magician and saying, well, I'll take this away and this away and this away. Now go and do your tricks. It, uh, they find it a lot harder to do. Because, yeah, well, it'll go mouldy on the shelf or whatever it might be. Hard usually is the, the big uh, one that, that those guys don't like. Cause well, in that, in that case, surely then it's not a bad thing because you're taking out, you know, no, like no, naturally, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Is that um, cream cheese? Cream cheese mm. and butter and icing yeah, sugar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the... So, all right, we got, I got on to the good butter. So you've got to go buy this butter because mm. I... Bought some more yesterday. So the thing about it is that it's creamy. It tastes like a Lurpak butter, mm. but it's two fifty nine for like a, I checked the price. Cause like, I'm going to talk about this butter tomorrow because finding a good mm. quality something for a good price is so rare. Um, it's the only reason I go to Aldi now. Devondale do a cultured butter now. Yeah, I had been buying that one. In the 250 grams. I find it really. I did like that one, but that one's like 
three dollars something yeah. usually. And it, when you're going when, through as much butter as I am, when, when it, <laughs> they um, occasionally run it like a two for one special or yeah, something like I've that. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I stock up on. Yeah. Um, I find the dairy industry really in- interesting in Australia because yeah. when I first got my cows, when we moved down and I got my cows and I was milking, you couldn't buy. Um, unhomogenized milk you know like all milk that's sold in australia has to be pasteurized yeah and that's fair enough it's a mass you know it's a mass commodity there's lots of transport involved pasteurization makes sense yeah i'd love to be able to buy raw milk but well you can at um it's there's organic shops they call it bath milk yeah see but you can't buy it at coles and you can't like run in and grab a bottle of it no i actually would prefer it to be the other way i'd rather see it really regulated and yeah. say it's got to be you know it's got to go into vats that chill it down really quickly they've got to be scrupulously clean we're going to test you all the time we're going to test your transport it can never yeah. get a, because not the black market sort of stuff yeah whereas yeah. that bath milk you just, you just don't know like i've actually bought it like a black market situation hmm. i'm lactose intolerant now so i don't oh, really? i didn't do me any good having it back then but i've only found that out this year um but I, it was at one of those markets at Win. Uh, they're not quite Windsor, but you know, Northeast Street. Is that the organic ones? Yeah. Northeast Street, yeah. Well, well those I had ones. A, I had in a the herd, back door sort of thing. A herd share when I had my cows, and um, one of the ladies that was in the herd share, her kids were lactose intolerant. Ah. Excuse me while I finish off this. Cake. <laughs> Did um, you like it? I see you've left the icing till last. Mm, Smart, man. Smart man. Smart um, man. <laughs> and her kids could eat the raw, um, drink the raw milk, and didn't have any reaction to it. That's interesting. Mm. Well, I, I don't know if I want to try. Mm. <laughs> re- I, I've got to be at home yes. without being graphic. Yeah, yeah, no. I've got a friend. I've got a friend that reacts to duck eggs like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just duck eggs. The richness of them, yeah. Ah. So if I make duck egg pasta and you use make all it as duck a prank eggs when they come over. Mm. <laughs> Although then they're using your toilet, so it's not so much fun. But now you can buy four or five different brands of unhomogenized milk mm. you can buy you know um some of the brands are getting into the better butters you know it's not just yeah it's not just a commodity sort of thing anymore yeah i just wish they they would pass some of the money back to the farmers that would I know. be nice that's the interesting thing um i met robert Pekin this year from food connect yep. really interesting guy and my friend and I actually had a chat with him because we were going to start a podcast. I think it will happen, but mm. we've just got busy lives at this stage. Um, easy to be a guest and you can do all the hard work these I days. All, I can do all <laughs> the editing. All the editing. Um, but we went and had a chat with him. He is a fascinating dude. Mm. So he ran a dairy farm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really interesting story. Talked about how, you know, he just got really in deep and he realised he had depression. His wife had left him. It was, you know, he quite openly talks about how he, the mental illness he was struggling with because... Um, you know, it was just a hard period. It was drought, I think, at that time, or there was some kind of hardship in that sense. He said the hardest part, though, was producing all this milk and not knowing where it was going. Yeah. And so that's why he started Food Connect, long story short, because connecting the farmer to the consumer actually, like, means a lot emotionally to the farmer. Like, he said an instance where there was a little boy who, or someone's son who came home and had a kiwi fruit or something like that, loved it, and then told Robert found out and he said oh well I'll give you the farmer's number and they called and told the farmer we love your fruit you know and that sort of thing has such a big effect on them there's definitely a disconnect in between the the farmer and the consumer yeah um I think we're getting better at it yeah but even with milk I can't remember which book I read 
that that sort of twigged me on this, but uh, all the all the, like the scenic rim and the Mullaney milk, like yep. the, the standard of that goes up and down in the year yeah. as the grass changes, which is the way milk's supposed to be. Yep. But again, back in the '60s when everything was being commoditized and and that was a good thing like that's what the general public thought yeah there was a real push to make milk consistent all year round but the problem with making milk consistent all year round is you're never going to get better than the worst yeah yeah because to make it the same all year round you have to drop everything back down yeah yeah to where like to where the worst is and that just blew me away yeah to a baseline instead of it being the peak yeah you could you wouldn't look forward to that really nice creamy Creamy like scenic rim you know i miss that don't at at the end (laughs) at the end of spring you can get a good 10 or 15 centimeters of cream on the on the top of their milk how good um um mulaney does that with their yellow one i used to buy because i lived on the sunny coast and i used to buy i I got to do a news story because i was worked in tv news and i remember going to do a news story up there it was like Oh, I yeah. loved it. They gave me all these, I shouldn't probably say, but they gave, I wasn't working for the ABC, so I suppose it's okay. They gave me all these free, like, products and yeah, yeah. it was unreal. Like, their, their Jersey cow milk, I think they said their Jersey cow milk is from that patch of cows there on the Sunshine Coat, like, yeah. on their property because yeah. Jersey cows, or, like, a few, a few different farmers in the area, yeah. whereas the other milk's from a, a bunch of different farmers. But yeah. If you buy the Jersey one, you know that it's from a which is also their um, unhomogenized one, right? So that was the other thing with like your two dollar Woolies milk, your real cheap milk is they basically pull it apart into all its bits and then put it all back together to a formula to get that baseline. So like they really really pull it apart, strip it back, strip it back, strip the fat out of it, strip it. So that's where that permeate. Um, oh. term comes from because yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the watery part of the milk oh. so when they strip it out they strip like the cream out the, the milk they really separate it yeah they se- separate wow. it out and then they just have a formula that says milk's got to have you know skim milk has this oh. normal milk has this and you know all the different milks have all different formulas wow but you're not getting so all I really Nutrients. wanted was milk that had come out of a cow yeah. that had been pasteurized and put in a bottle. Yeah. You know, not broken up, not yeah. done anything to. Um, and and that's what I really like now is, you know, I'd, I'd still rather have my own cows. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm pretty happy that I can get essentially what is real milk. Real milk. Out of the shop. That's why that scenic milk is good. Are you going to try an Afghan yet? Yeah. So why do you, can you speculate with me, why do you think they got such a terrible strange oh, it'd, strange it'd be some british some, colonialism something racist yeah for sure yeah well they're delicious so the joke is on the person who was being racist when they named them because they're delicious you can hear my crunching <laughs> super super you know crunchy. the secret cornflakes ah. the secret in any good 1950s recipe <laughs> but i don't know i don't know i know corn's one of those bad things because corn syrup or whatever but I feel like cornflakes aren't such a bad thing. Like, I haven't had any bad gut reactions from eating... I don't need a bowl of cornflakes or anything in the morning. But when they're in baked goods, I think they just add that edge. Like, my nana has some peanut biscuits. Great and they've crumbs, got, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's true. Don't they? People do um, chicken chicken mm. crumb in cornflakes and stuff. Yeah. Sorry, you've got, you got your mouth full. <laughs> all, the, all the crumbing I do at home, because I love a bit of crumb chicken, is um, just leftover bread. Yep. You know, staler the better yep. because it, it's a bit drier. 
and then yeah just a handful of cornflake crumbs to give it that mm. that crunch and that feeling of crunching the cornflakes in your hand mm. that feels like like mm. oh i love that i've got a little um i'm really dirty about it actually i buy this little tiny because my kitchen is like twice the size of this table yeah and I'm, right. I'm not right. i'm not exaggerating it is really really small so how do you do so much cooking in such a small kitchen I, and i have the, part of the challenge <laughs> i have the worst oven in the world too oh no it's falling apart it only has two burners that work properly oh um why are you doing that to yourself oh because i've got this thing where i don't want to just go and buy a replacement oven that's okay i want to get a good you oven. want to do the whole kitchen and do a good oven, or uh, even just just the oven? I'd just right. be happy to replace the oven with something good quality. But I don't want to half-ass it, so I just yeah <laughs> keep stumbling. If you're out in the bush, you may as well get this, the agar or whatever. That th- this, serious one. This theory has been going now for ten years. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing how long you can get out of the oven. Uh, what brand is the oven? They should give uh, you a free one. Like how long it's been going? <laughs> It's just proof of how long they can actually kick on when you think they're dead. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I thrash. I remember we got some um, uh, just like normal um, pots and pans yeah. for our engagement when Vanessa yeah. and I got engaged. You know, typical aluminium cookware with, you know, Bakelite handles. Yep. I killed them in six months. <gasps> they're just, just because, you know, I do heaps of cooking. Yeah. And, and Not strong enough. enough. Yeah, they just weren't up to the the, the use. So yeah. then um, we were using a commercial kitchen place to buy all of the barware ah. for the, the live music venues that I was running. And they had the proper, you know, commercial ah. forged handle stuff. And yep. I, I bought a set of that. Still going? Yeah. 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 And it That's gets, the it gets yeah. smashed and <laughs> has, you know, beeswax heated up in it and all, all sorts <laughs> all of... Oh, for the soap. Yeah, uh, yeah, for the soap, and I make candles every now and again too. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're going to be self-sufficient out there. Yeah. You've just got to find an oil well or something so you can have mm. your own petrol, and then you're done. Oh, <laughs> I'd rather. Um, I'd, I'd love to make my own uh, olive oil or vegetable. Oh or, yeah, you know, sunflower. That'd just be epic though, because you'd have to have a presser. Press, and, yeah. yeah. Same with. Um, I looked into making essential oils for the soap. Oh, like what, lavender and whatever? Yeah, just, and yeah, that's serious equipment. You know, you need a steel oh. and you and, and there's a certain amount of knowledge and it's... And then when you can buy it for whatever it's sort of like at the end. Yeah, and I, and I like to, I like to do um, like things that are good bang for your buck. Like, yep. you know, so, you know, making soap is, uh, it's pretty easy. Um, and I, I think, feel like it's good bang for the buck and people really like it. It's one of my best things to trade, actually. Really? Yeah, that and honey. In what way? Who do you trade it with? Uh, just like, you know, people that do, local people that, you know, do a bit of favours for you or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Where do you live again? I want to come. It sounds like utopia. Uh, well, <laughs> you, you trade do, in soap? Do you like, like, well, the best one is always honey. Yeah. Yep. Everyone always wants. It's liquid wants, gold, isn't it? Everyone always wants honey. Everyone want, always wants honey that's, you know, from a beehive that they know someone who has a beehive sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anyone turn down honey. Because the quality, the difference compared to like the major brands is huge. And I've got the um, the Flow Hive now. We, oh, what's that? So it's it's like a... It's so a, wait, you are Bezo the Beekeeper. I we can ha- call you Bezo the Beekeeper. I do have... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm good enough at it to be called Bezo the Beekeeper. Oh, well. So it's it's going to stick now. It's got these... Uh, they're like a new type of... 
frame. Yep. And instead of sort of the old way is you go in, you open the box up, you lift the the frame out and you cut the top of the frame off and you either just let it drain out or you spin it. And and it's quite quite labour intensive. Um, If you're not a very good beekeeper like me, then you can kill a lot of bees doing it. Right. Um, Have you done that? Yes. Is that sad? Uh, it's Killing sort of all those little defenseless bees. They didn't even get oh, to sting they're not, anyone. They're not freaking defenseless. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I, true. <laughs> the last time I opened the bottom box, I think I got stung something like thirty-two times. But just can't you become allergic if that happens too much? Yeah. Oh, geez. You can go either way, and I've gone the other way where it. So the I, where you I, become I, a bee. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna yeah, explode from my <laughs> from my chrysalis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did blow up a few times, and oh. I started wearing a lot more protect. I used to just wear a pair of thongs and a, and oh, a t-shirt. Such and, a Queenslander um, <laughs> out I, there in thongs. I got, I got bitten in the forearms. I seem to get bitten in the forearms a lot, and it blew up like Popeye. You know, like oh. the classic Popeye. Like, did you take yeah. a photo? Did you say this is what spinach does or something? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I went and took um, went to the chemist. It was there. I can remember because it was our first night that we'd had um, after our first kid was born. The first night we'd like gone to a party and. Oh, and we're socialized. Gonna have, a, yeah. have a few drinks and we're going to crash there. And I was like, oh, I'm a little bit worried about this. So I went and got an antihistamine, took the antihistamine, worked, but knocked me out. Like oh, fi- did they? I thought they minutes. do the op- I thought they keep you awake. Uh, I think the Your ones, body was working, the, you know, the ones like that, yeah, that, that's uh, the way they work. They just knock you out. And he even said to me, don't, um, when, don't take it before you get into the car. Make sure you drive to wherever you've got to go. And then take it because there's been people that have taken the antihistamine <gasps> and it's react because so it, it hits people differently. Oh. And people that have fallen asleep driving, the their, oh. driving their car. So home. it's got that do not operate heavy machinery sticker yeah, on it or something. It must be something to do with your body reacting to the inflammation and having to focus on that so it just like shuts you down or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm not a magician. So I'm a scientist. <laughs> baking, what's the best thing to bake with kids, do you reckon? With kids, okay. I have a niece, mm. and I was. Go- I think Melton Mix is the best with kids. So like, the Afghans are a creaming butter, you know, situation. You chuck it. In. I've got a lucky enough to have a good processor, and um, it's good for kids. But that way, they're not really involved if the butter's just creaming on its own. So if you can, like Anzacs, if you can melt the like the what is it, golden syrup and butter together. And then you just bring that over and it's kind of cool by the time they're playing with it. So they can mix it with their fingers or whatever they do when they're cooking. I think those ones are the best. And like the carrot cake one would work because you really can't stuff it up, you know. I've done carrot cake with Curtis before. Yeah. And that one seems to be good for kids because they're just blown away that you're putting carrots into Into, a cake. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And it tastes sugary and delicious. They go, why can't you do this with vegetables at dinner? Mm. My, my kids, they're bloody fruit and vegetable hounds. They love Really? Them. So do oh. you have, like, fruit and vegetable trees or any... Well, not vegetable trees. Well, I suppose you could have mm. something on a tree, but... I'm not a very good gardener. I have my orchard. Right. Um, How big is that? What have you got? How do you do this, by the way, when you have a day job? Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I was doing a lot better before I had twins. Mm. That's for sure. So I create... Right, so three kids. Yeah. Cows coming... Bees, or have you got the cows? Um, the cow, the, I own the cows. They're right. just they're off getting pregnant. Oh uh, right! And they're pregnant. I've got a farmer mate, and he's he's a really nice bloke, but 
He sort of does things on his own time frame. Yes, right. So this cow's been coming back for like five weeks. Right. And then I'll get home one day and the cow will just be there. That, that's the way he works. I'm just picturing him like popping it in his car or something. <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's got his truck and everything. But he, there'll just be, literally there'll be a day. Like he came up one day and he said, oh, I'm thinking about putting a road from, because he's, he's got um, his sheds and stuff on the property behind me. Yeah. And he was like, I was thinking about putting a road up through your property, which is awesome, you know. Oh. And, um, and then he said, oh. expensive I, to do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really expensive. And I, and then he's like, oh, if I never ever need to do anything at your place or, you know, any of the other places on the street, I can just drive up through your place. I'm like, yeah, sweet. And then it would have been 12 or 13 months later and then the bulldozer just appeared and <laughs> built the road. <laughs> and Is he an old bloke? Uh, no, not particularly. He's yeah. sort of late 40s, I guess. Right. But they're, they're like, they are the local family. Like, they're, right. their family settled oh wow that part of being lane wow like davidson so how long ago well davidson's road is the second biggest road in in their area wow and that's their surname or something yeah he's yeah. jamie davidson ah. so, yeah and there's a few families wow. like that down there because the other um uh the other fam uh, big name is Curtis, which is actually my son's name as well. Oh, yeah. we, we love there's a lot of Curtis roads. And yep. C- Curtis this, Curtis Falls, and um, and Vanessa when she went to the local school met one of the Curtises. Oh. So. It's nice that they've stayed in the area. That it's not just like they settled it and then the families buggered off somewhere. Yeah. Like it's nice. Because that'd be a lot of generations. Yeah. Brisbane's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, Impressive. Yeah. So. Um, so you've got a whole sort of oh, so I've got, self-sufficient thing out there. I've got lemons and limes and grapefruit and blood oranges and finger limes, which I can't get to fruit and are my massive biggest frustration with my orchard. Cause I finger lo- limes are like caviar of the you know the yeah, citrus they're, they're, world. They're a native. They shouldn't be that True. That they shouldn't hard. be that temperamental. I've got three of the bloody things and I can't get it. Is any. it hot enough there? Does it get cold? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it should be... Should be fine. Like they grow them in Byron, out behind Byron. But they don't stock them a lot. Like even if you go to the markets here, they're still expensive at the markets. Mm. So there yeah. must be some sort of trick to growing them. Uh, I just don't think there's that many um, growers. No. Yeah. I don't think there's that many around. So um, if you're, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, no, but no. because I'm a yuppie, I mm. live in New Farm. Mm. So if you're, and you used to live at Red Hill, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See how good am I? Dedicate. I do my mm. research. Dedicated listener. Probably much more than I. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, so, I know you said you planted a citrus tree when you were there. Mm-hmm. But how... I, they take a while to get going. Mm-hmm. So, how do you, as a yuppie, have... Well, obviously, you've moved away. But how do you here? Like, if I wanted to have a slice of what you're doing and live a little more sustainably, grow something, I only have a little courtyard. Well, citrus, you just grow in pots. Like that's yeah. that's what I should have done with that one. Yeah. I actually planted three citrus trees there that I knew I wouldn't be taking. I, I basically planted them. Community service planting. Yeah. For, because that house has, um, it's got a big crack in not in the foundations but in the concrete in the bottom. Right. Because um, the, the the they were going to kick us out and renovate the place. The people that owned it. Yeah. And she got an engineer's report and 
um, she was like, right, you're probably going to have to move out on this date. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, we'd been there for four years or something. That's fine. We'll find somewhere else. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got a phone call the week after we gave them the engineer's report that got sent to our house instead of her. And she's like, oh, we'll give you another two years. Oh. So I don't think it'll ever be a rental until, you know, real estate prices yeah. boom. And that area is pretty popular though. Yeah. Paddington, Red Hill. So, yeah, but I knew it was going to be a rental for a while. So that lime tree in the front yard, I basically planted as a community oh, service. So everyone can have their yeah. cocktails. Well, and you, that's nice. You always want a bit of lime with your yeah. corona. So. Yeah, true. Um, but then, so how do you... What's a, what's a, because I've got fat possums, fat yeah. fucking possums. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, I even built a chicken wire, um, like safety net around it, mm-hmm. around my herbs. They like, um, face plant into it and they just squash the wire so yeah. they can get in and eat all herbs. Yeah, they're psycho. So, I mean, a- apart from possums, what is something you can grow that's like easy to grow? That's like, you may as well be growing it because, you know, it's that easy. Well, as opposed to buying. Um, those lots of lemons, ones you get from Bunnings. Yep. Which are awesome, awesome lemons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're made to basically be done in big pots. Ah. And, they're and do they take long, though, to fruit? Um, no, not I thought that. citrus took like a year. I thought you had to keep pruning the f- fruit off until... That they, they always recommend the first year yeah. you pick the flowers off. I don't know if I'm patient enough to wait a whole year for some free lemons. Year's not that long. I oh, know that's true. Man, I've had most of my orchard in for half a decade. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> but then I planted on a hill with not very good soil and minimal water because we're on tank water. Yeah. And it's only really started to take off a bit this year when I've I bought a much bigger grey water pump and all our grey water uh, is now going onto the orchard. Right. And I'm getting. Much better, much better, much better growth. Uh, the Brazilian cherry at the moment is just covered in flower, absolutely mm. covered. That's funny because it's like still quite cold. You'd think a Brazilian cherry would thrive uh, in like hot weather. They're really weird, and I've maybe got, it knows the Olympics is on. I've got two, yeah. <laughs> I've got two, and they flower at different times. Oh. I never flower. I never get the fruit at the same time. Oh. Like I get crossover. Yeah, yeah. But one's heaps earlier than the other. It's like they have their own internal timeline. Well, they're literally 20 metres apart. That's weird. That's the... Is that a cha-cha? No, what's that? What is it? Um, so they look like a little pumpkin. Yeah, the orange yeah. one. Yeah, reddish, reddish. Oh, reddish. Is it like you peel off the Adelaide, kind of tastes like sorbet inside? No. No, that's the cha-cha um, I think I'm thinking of. <laughs> they're... Uh, uh, People either love them or hate them. Right. I, I love them. I've got a couple of friends that think that I'm insane and that every time I give them one, they're, I'm pranking them. <laughs> they're quite bittersweet. Like they've yep. got a bitter sort of first taste. If you let them get really, really ripe, they get a real sort of sweet aftertaste. Mm. They've got a very big um, seed in them. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're... Mm. they're, they're a bit tartar, but they they are cherry like. Mm. And then I've got a, a gurumachina growing as well, which is a, I think a relative, and it's a tropical cherry with a smaller seed, and it's a relative, of, relative of the Brazilian cherry, but ah. it's got a smaller seed and a more cherry like um, skin. Right. And it's supposed to be awesome too. Mm. I'm very very keen. I've been babying that one along. What do you have to put on it apart from the grey water? Yeah, just water. Water right. and then I mulch quite yeah. heavily and then um, cow poo and yeah. chicken poo and whatever else is around. So Where do you, where did you so you 
a meat wholesaler by day. Is that what you work for a meat wholesaler? Is that right? Uh, no, so we're butcher supplies. So we supply butcher them supply. everything but the meat. Wait, so what do you supply? Cures, sausage oh, meals, oh, knives, right, 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 all that stuff. Packaging, right, right, right. all Which that is stuff. why you know so much about the, yeah. Yeah. So then how did you learn to do all this stuff? The internet. Interest, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Bless the internet. And and this podcast too, like just finding stuff out and talking to people and yeah. um, I'm shameless in just hitting people up and asking them some stuff. Yeah, um, why not? Vanessa always laughs because one of my sayings is, I know a guy, you know, I know a guy yeah. who can do this <laughs> yeah. or I know a guy who can do that or, you know, I want to do this and I'll ring a guy up. So, um, Well, I'm sorry I can't help you with gardening. Oh, I can help you, you with baking. You'll be my baking guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll be your baking guru. <laughs> I'll ring up and go, what? Butter. The secret is butter. More butter every time. I, I want a really good carrot cake recipe. Well, I can just buy your book. Is there going to yeah, be a carrot yeah. cake recipe in your book? Oh, there will be. This is the shameless plug. No, there will be. Um, so you There'll do be it. a few recipes and good ones in that. So you're doing two. more old school recipes, more Nana type recipes. Yeah, and you know what? What kind of prompted it was a couple of things. I thought about I've, my both my grandmas are still alive, which mm. is rare. I'm 26 and they're both thriving. Like they're not struggling. Yeah. You know they're thriving, and one is 95. She's about to move from the UK here permanently. Oh wow! Permanent, amazing. And she's an amazing. They're both like both my Australian grandma and my British grandma are just inspirational people. And then my husband Pete's grandma is amazing as well. She's a great baker. She's got an um, amazing shortbread recipe that'll go in there. And then there's another family friend's mother who was also born on my birthday. She's passed away, but she's got some amazing recipes as well. And I, I think it was prompted by the, the revelation that, I mean, Women's Weekly advertises, um, oh, we test our recipes three times, which is impressive. But I was like, these old ducks have been testing for 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, what better test is there than that? And that's the thing, like, um, it's the, you know, Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. You know, you yeah. need to do 10, something for 10,000 hours before True. you get good at it. And how much, how better, like, what better cooks are there than the women who did it throughout the 50s? Like, they are the Olympians of cooking, yeah. so. And that's like, you know, like, I made risotto last night and I'll make pasta tomorrow night. And there, I've, I've got those things that some people will freak out at yeah i've got ladies at work that are in you know their 50s that have never made a risotto really never just used to the meat and two veg and Uh, i just think it's scary risotto yeah you can't stuff up a risotto you just gotta stand there and stir put Um, a good podcast on like cheesy yeah I (laughs) i don't know whether it's I don't know what it is. And I think the thing is, too, if you made risotto for the first ever time and you bought cheap and nasty stock from the, yeah, from the shops... Yeah, it'd be really salty. It'd be very salty. starters. And it probably wouldn't taste... It definitely wouldn't taste like a restaurant risotto. Yeah, I actually... The first risotto I made... Because I was a complete... I went to boarding school. So the food there was absolutely shocking. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I had colour, no... Colour me not surprised. Oh, like, I'd never had... So my mum went there too. That's why we went to this school. Great school in Toowoomba, the Glenny School. Very mm. good. Shout out. Um, but I'd never even had corned beef before I went there because my mum had it for the first time at boarding school. Hated it. Never cooked we it for us. Again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those things that now I've had it. Hate it. I'll never cook it again. Like that one's oh, not going wow. in the recipe book. So I know. I, the, one of the things I've discovered, and it's not easy to find now because Wagyu sort of exploded. But when Wagyu first came along, Everyone only wanted the, you know, the, the eye fillet and the rib fillet cuts. Yeah. 
and you know a lot of the um, other cuts were just sort of being sold really cheap yeah and a few butchers were doing um, wagyu silver sides they do it at the markets the yeah. new farm markets because my grandpa buys it and and that is the ultimate corn meat because yeah. it, is, it is perfect because it has that I don't fat. I don't particularly like wagyu I find it too really um, I love animal fat <laughs> yeah, like I, I love a good Angus steak with the big eye of fat in the middle, but yeah. I find that creaminess as the fat renders out of a like a, a rib fillet of a wagyu, I just find it too much on my tongue. Yeah, um, that's true. It can overwhelm a bit. Yeah. yeah. But in a silver side or um, mm. the other one I used to do is I used to do a shin beef stew, wagyu shin beef stew. Oh. And, you know, that little bit of intermuscular fat yeah. rendering out as you cooked it. Yeah. Oh, I can't beat it. Actually, they do it. At the standard, they chop it up, you know, in that the butcher there, yep. their normal square, like, you know, chuck steak mm. or whatever for your beef, anything. Like, I use it in a rendang. Yeah. I have this really good Neil Perry rendang that I use, and I put that one in there. It's really good. Yeah. Like, but it feels a bit extravagant using Wagyu. It feels very new farm. Yes. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, I had never cooked a risotto until after boarding school I came home and I was like oh my gosh food I put like five kilos on in my first year of uni because I was like I can cook and food actually tastes good. good but I cooked a risotto from like um, Bill Granger's cookbook or something bought stock and then didn't realize I, you know I was very new and I didn't realize oh when you add parmesan it adds more salt yeah, so yeah. I think I'd put stock in put salt in then I added parmesan it was just like so oh. salty I remember we went out to Stanthorpe um for a weekend and I said to Vanessa I'll just cook a risotto and just went to Woolies and I bought this the reduced salt risotto um, stock, yeah, stock and didn't put any salt in yeah and just a, a good parmesan yeah and it was so salty compared mm. to what I because I don't put any salt in my stock that I make yeah, at home it's not needed no after you add the parmesan as well in a risotto yeah you're pretty much there and I'm pretty salt I love salt like yeah. sometimes I just put my finger in the Murray's you know yeah. the pink salt and just like put it on my tongue I love it but yeah. like and yeah. and that was the other thing so like I say to these ladies um, you know risotto is really easy yeah but you got to make your own stock and they're like oh I don't know why do you have to make your own stock and I'm like well that's that that, that's what and so my standard sort of weekly thing used to be and I still do it a fair bit is you roast a chook you have a roast chicken dinner yep Sunday night or whatever yep pull all the chicken off throw the frames and you onion and your carrot and whatever and, and your herbs in the water yeah cook that for a day and then um siphon that off and then makes risotto either that night or the next night that's a good one mm. that does that stock last a while when you do it that way anyway like i, I freeze it yeah okay so what about when containers. you're cooking it i'm a i love my slow cooker mm -hmm. but i get worried like i know old ducks did it in back in the day they just leave their stove on with something cooking but i'm I'm a bit of a nervous Nelly. Yeah. You do that? Yeah. I don't know. Ah. My wife doesn't listen to this podcast, but she <laughs> fucking hates it. I'm the opposite. Absolutely. Pete hates it. I have left stock on the stove the other night. We're putting our heads down on the pillow. And he goes, that stock's not on, is it? And I was like, no, you're not going to make me siphon it off now. Because I had been cooking all day anyway. I, I've been known to cook stock for like a week and a half. Well, that's how the real, that's an Asian master stock, isn't it? Like yeah. the Asian master stock, they just keep adding water to it and stuff to it. The, and it goes all, all the time. Um, the thing I've been doing, I've got some beef stock on at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we've got, because I've got three kids and yeah. lots of people living in our house, um, we um, have a second fridge. Yeah. So what I've been doing is we've got a little 
um, combustion stove. Yep. So I just put it on top of the combustion stove at night ah. and it cooks overnight and then it, it's fairly cool by the morning. It yep. goes into the fridge during the day and then get back, that layer on, of fat. back onto the combustion stove at night. Ah. And then tomorrow I'll be home early enough to be able to put it back into put its... It. Back it's into its little containers and how good's the freezer? The freezer's like a food bank, isn't it? Stock, not broth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to your stock. I thought, saw the for fuck's sake, it's um, it's, it it's stock, not broth. Not broth. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most. It sounds more sexy as broth. Infuriating. It's a very new farm thing. Yeah, it's very bone new farm. Broth. Actually, I think there's some containers in my freezer called bone broth. Oh, <laughs> I don't hate me. I get, and the funny thing is, I've got two two things like this. One is um. There's a particular cricketer that drives me absolutely up the wall. Name him, name him. Uh, it's Sean Marsh. Ah. And um, every time he does well, I get like 50 fucking tweets and text messages <laughs> from everyone going, oh, are you okay, Bezo? And it's the same I get from all my foodie mates. They'll go into a shop and they'll yeah, be and bo- see broth. bone broth and they'll I've been thinking of that, you know, photo. I was about to put it in this... Um, I was about to bring this container because I had this little tiny one. I'd washed it thoroughly and I was going to bring it. It had extra um, carrot cake icing mm. and I was like, oh, should I bring that? And I looked at the label on top and said <laughs> bone, bone broth. broth. I was like, oh, BZ might hate me. I might be like expelled from the podcast. So I'm not uh, bringing it. It's, it's one of those. Look, I shouldn't be upset because it's a little bit like the, the Pokemon Go thing. Yeah. If it's getting people out yeah. and doing stuff. Trying it, yeah. Then you shouldn't really be upset. So yeah. if calling it a fancy name gets some people to use good stock yeah it's probably not a bad thing but yeah Yeah. actually i'd never i had never tried my own until probably a couple of months ago i'd only done chicken heaps of chicken because i grew up in singapore yeah and my mom is an amazing asian food cook okay so um she my comfort food is like hainanese chicken rice love that stuff um, and she makes actually she's making it tonight. Um, so I'm thinking of that while I'm here because it's delicious. <laughs> um, but I had never made like beef bone um, stock. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say broth. And I got some um, really good marrow bones from my butcher. And oh, it is like I just drink the stuff. Like I have a cup of it because it tastes amazing. Okay, so here's one for you to try. Go to again. You need a good butcher that does. I have a great butcher. Good pigs. Yep. Pigs. And, uh, and ask for the pigs' trotters, which they will normally mm. throw away. Yep. And ask for them to cut them lengthways yep. in your bandsaw. Yep. And sort of treat it like a, a beef stock. So roast them off. Yep. Roast the trotters off and then just add whatever you normally add to your stock. Yep. Now that stock is, I call it my all-purpose stock. Yep. Um, right, because it's light. So the flavor's light enough that you can substitute it for a chicken stock, yeah. but it's got enough gelatin and, and um, sort of heft to it that you can use it for a beef stock. Ah. And it will, and if you want to reduce it down, yep. it, it really has a nice gloss and, and it's a really oh, good feel. That's so, a good secret. Because I suppose the thing with beef broth now is that, or beef stock, is that it is broth and people are buying lots of bones. So bones are becoming, yeah, right. you know, yeah, I don't, not I don't the throwaway thing. I haven't, I haven't trotters are something still that maybe trotters are the new one. Uh, what should we call it? Yeah, you would, you would be hard-pressed to find a butcher that, that, has, that doesn't throw their trotters yeah. away. Not many people in Australia are mad keen on trotters. Do you know Rainers down here? Rainers yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah. great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So is that your butcher? Yeah. Or you can you can mention my name when you go uh, and see Les. Do you yeah, know Les? Yeah, Les. Yeah, you mentioned my name. He knows who I am. Well, I, Les Cratcher, I put him in a recipe for the New Farm Village News a couple of weeks ago. Uh, okay. My very first food column for them. Yeah, Les nice. gave me the, his beef cheeks recipe. Yeah, it yeah. was good. He's he loves his cooking. Oh, yeah. He's him, great. Him and I, um, him and I go a fair way back. So. Ah. All right. So when's okay. your when's your cookbook out? Um. Well, that's a good question. I am finishing the end of writing date I suppose is going to be December mm. and then I'm aiming for the middle of next year. Are you still soliciting for recipes? Uh, if anyone has really good ones mm. but I am trying to limit it to those four ladies because yeah. it's hard. Everyone has a great grandma recipe so mm. it's hard My but I am soliciting publishers. If <laughs> soliciting <laughs> publishers. <laughs> if there's anybody out there. I think the only thing, <laughs> uh, only recipe I can really remember my grandmother cooking was um, baked custard with sultanas. Oh, oh with sultanas yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah. And oh. um, does she put them in like alcohol first to plump them up, or no? I think she soaked them in milk. Yep. First, but my my grandfather, who was a very um, quiet man, never said very much, hardly. Like I can't remember really having that many conversations with him. Wow. When I was, um, must have been just when I started high school, and I came up one day. I used to I used to work in the morning, um, and then come up and have lunch with them on the Saturday, and then catch the the ferry across to where my parents w- were had a little beach shack at South End. They'd be over yep. there, and um, Nana went out to do something, and he's like, you know, I love sultanas in baked custard, but your grandmother never does it for me. Only when you come for lunch, so you just keep coming for Saturday lunch. I was like. <laughs> Pardon, poor oh, man. Oh dear. Didn't get his sultanas. So, so sometime <laughs> next year, depending on when you can get a publisher. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the copy will be done in December. Yeah. I'm determined to have that. So Julie's given me some good tips. Apparently, you really do have to go with all the photos and the look of it really done yep. as you go to a publisher. Otherwise, they will drive the look of it, and I don't really want that. Yeah. But I came up with a title yesterday. I'm keen to hear what you think. Okay. Well, I came up with it on Monday, actually, with my um, mother-in-law. Mm. Um, Nana knows. Yes, that's very good. It's hard. It was. It's been really hard. I think I like it most out of all of them because I've gone through so many. Well, you you really want something that's saying what you're well, trying to yeah. do with the book, isn't but it? But grandmas aren't a sexy thing to mm. sell. So it's like you don't want to say grandma's recipes <sighs> or like. But Nana knows. I thought Nana knows best. And then it's sort of a nod in my mind because really what inspired the book too is like I am sick of this whole yeah, I was gonna gluten-free say, and stuff. like So Nana knows that all that is horse shit essentially. <laughs> like, um, unless for the people who really have to have, you know, health I, restrictions. But I think too you – like people – the really good thing about um, Master Chef and like the Celebrity Chef and all that sort of thing is that it has got people interested in cooking. Yeah. But – there's a difference between that sort of cooking and cooking where good cooking that you can replicate at home yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Like, That's the point, yeah. A, a mate of mine and, always had a, and I had a theory, and actually Sal, who, who used to be on this yeah. podcast with me all the time, is actually doing this right now where she's running a pub down in... Um, is that in, what she's doing now? Yeah, yeah. I, used, I listen back to the old ones too. Yeah. Oh, it'll, you'll, um, you'll hear that, I think, on this the one that's going to drop tomorrow yep. that I did last week. Yep. Um, and just to be able to cook like a schnitzel yep. or something like that, but cook it really well. Yeah. Like, yeah, know, just like, know how to nail it, nail it. Like yeah, I, the good I did, stuff. I did palming the other night, you know. Yeah. 
classic palmy, but mozzarella cheese over the top. Good yep. sugo, hand cut chips, cooked How in beef. good. Cooked in beef fat. No wonder your kids eat your food. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was really, really good. Now, yeah. you know, anyone can make, you know, chuck frozen fries in and, yeah. and deep fry a piece of chicken breast, and it's just crap. Yeah. But I think there's a, a, there's a niche there to be had for being able to replicate really um, sort of old school food, but make it in a really good way, not yeah. a not a sort of fast, cheaty way. Yeah, yeah, and in a way that people will want to eat it. Like really, steak and kidney, unfortunately, is going to have to stay in the <laughs> 60s and 50s because I don't think I'm going to sell that to any of my friends. Yeah. But like, even just the humble old risol, if you can have a good risol recipe, well, you know, that's a great thing to chuck on lunches and stuff. Carrot cake's probably a really good example. Like yeah. how many how many people make a carrot cake or brownies yeah. or Anzac biscuits once every couple of weeks? Yeah. Probably not too many. And there's probably a few like me that if I had a carrot cake recipe that was in my head, like my pasta yep. recipe is, and I didn't have to go and look it up and, oh, which, which recipe do I use and find it and work it all out. Like if it was just in my head, yep. I'd probably bust a carrot cake out every week. Well, I should send it. I'll, I'll give you a, a recipe mm. sneak peek. Oh, that sounds and good. And I'll send you this one because it's actually quite easy because it's like, half a cup of a few things yep. so you like a few of the fruit things it's like half and half and half so that's yep. easy enough then there's like a couple of eggs i think it's like a i think it's a cup of oil yeah and then it's like one and a half of it's really it would be one that you could if you can remember recipes it would be one that's not too hard and plus carrot cake's forgiving because it doesn't have that butter element yeah like it's really the, just the oil's real, a yeah. lot more forgiving than the butter isn't and it and you can just chuck it in the mixer i just walk away because it yep. said in the original recipe that I adapted it from, it said leave it for five, mix it for five minutes. I thought, that's not a cake. Cakes usually, you whip the butter so delicately in the eggs and then it's like, you've got to slowly fold in the yeah, flour. Yeah. But this one's like a hearty, just throw chuck it, all it in. in. Yeah. That's and the icing's actually, it's only like, to, I double it because I like a lot of icing, icing on mine. Yes. But it's like 120 grams of... Um, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. The, the last time I made, um, I made a carrot cake and I followed the icing recipe and someone must have like almost tripled it oh. and, and i i literally had too much icing <laughs> for one and that's dangerous too if you like the icing you'll just yeah. go into the fridge well, and just eat it as yeah, much well, as i did because i wasn't going to throw it away it just sat there and i just scooped it out with my finger when <laughs> i was hungry what I was doing as i was cooking this uh, it was dangerous this is why i run all right <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to plug no but i've really well i think just the book it's called yeah. nana's no nana knows yeah um, I've really enjoyed chatting with we'll, you. We'll have you back. Yeah, when, I'd love when that. It, when it launches and you yeah. can tell us all about it. And if anyone wants to follow the updates, I'm at Annabelle.chapel. Chapel like Apple on um, Instagram. C-H-A-P-P-L-E. No Twitter? I'm on Twitter and with my maiden name at Annabelle Carter. So okay. double L-E on my Annabelle and then Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. Cool. Follow me. All right. And I have a blog. <laughs> we'll, but you can find it from those we, we will link. We will do some links in <laughs> yeah, the show notes. that's good. All right. Thanks, Bezo. Thanks, Anna.